Welcome to Journey Elgin of Elgin, Texas, where we are living life in Christ, impacting his kingdom. Our service times are Thursdays at 7 p.m. and Sundays at 10.30 a.m. Here's today's message with Pastor Philip Thomas. We are in a new year. Right? So just, just to break it to you, we are officially in 2018. We're not just one week in. We are now two weeks in. And, uh, and for most of you, it's probably starting to feel like, oh, back to the old normal, right? We, get, we made it through December, made it through all the holidays, the craziness of that. And now we're back in, in 2018. And, um, and if, if you were hoping 2017... For most, most people uh, acknowledge was a, a little crazy. Um, we had, had a political situation that just w- that inter- engaged the country in a different way, right? Um, it, it, was, it was very strange, and it just wore everyone down. And so you may have been thinking, all right, 2018 is going to be good. We're going to start moving in a different direction. And as we talked about last week, uh, we warned against that, right? Because that's life. And so, of course, this week you get back into, you know, Twitter is still being used by people who really need to put their phones down, and, 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 it, just keeps con- and it just keeps this tension, right? And, and it's very easy just to go, oh, I'm so tired of this. But you know what? That's, that's life. Like we're seeing it. The only thing that's different is we're seeing it in a different way. It's always been there. We're just seeing it differently and, and, it's, and, and how we're trying to deal with that. Is tough, and so again, if 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 we think that everything's going to get better, you're in for a miserable 2018. But if you're looking for what God is going to do, and you're going to focus on the fact that God is going to be there each and every day, then you know what, 2018 may be pretty good. So we're going to keep talking about that for the next couple weeks, just kind of you know a, a fresh fresh start, if you will, just talk about what, where we're going, what we're doing in 2018, some of the, the basics. We did this last year um, and, and kind of laying out our, our simple model of who we are, of what we're trying to be. So we're going to do that again. I can remember whenever we uh, started going through the process of starting the church. You read all these books, and, and all of them will, will tell you, said, man, you've got to have a vision statement and then a mission statement. And, uh, and so you're like, yes, and I'm going to get a vision statement and a mission statement. And then you sit down, and 10 hours later, you're like, what's a mission statement? What's a vision statement? Right? And you're like, is there a difference between the two? And then people will say, yes, there's a difference. How do you not know that there's a difference between a vision statement and a mission statement? And then they'll give you examples. Here's a vision statement. Here's a mission statement. And I look at them, like, there's no difference. And, it, you know, and, and it's like, and you, we can spend so much time, right? We do that. We spend so much time trying to do that. And, and, uh, and sometimes a, a ridiculous amount of time. You know, it's like, because, man, if we don't get this right, then, you know, we're, we're, we may, may fail. Well, man, if you fail because your mission statement and vision statement doesn't have the right punctuation or something like that, you, you weren't going to make it anyway, Right? And it's funny because, but that, well, you do that in, in business and everything, and so you see all that crossover, and I see the value of it. We need to know where we're going. But at the same time, we can put a little bit too much on it. With all of that said, we're going to basically look at, well, what's the vision and the mission that God has given us? 
Churches have been, done a great job of being really creative with this. A great job. In fact, it makes you feel kind of inferior because you're like, man, mine's not as good as theirs. You know, and, and, it, and it's, it's funny. You see all these mission and vision statements, and they can be really catchy. And so that's why we pretty much just use our tagline of living life in Christ, impacting his kingdom. That's about it. You know, and everything kind of fits within that. But it is important to know, well, what, what was the vision and the mission of God? You know, did he, did he have one? Was there a specific one? Well, not in the way that we think of vision and mission. But, of course there is, right? So whenever I think of vision and mission, I think of vision as, as kind of the big picture. Okay, this is where we're going. This is the goal. It's kind of stating, here's where we're wanting to, to get. And then the mission becomes more, how are we going to get there? You know, kind of what are the main things that we're going to do? Which shows you how difficult, because the first thing that people tell you is whenever you're coming up with your mission and vision statement, it needs to be really short and concise. Like, how am I going to express the goal to reach the world for the gospel of Christ in three words or less? You know? And then the mission, well, how am I going to lay out? Well, you, you can't, right? So, so we spend a lot of time doing this. But, uh, but I, one thing I like, I like history. And I thought of this example. Whenever we were uh, going into World War II and, and that started going, I want you to think about being the general, right? The vision that you had was we need, and we'll just limit it to Germany, we need to defeat Nazi Germany, right? That's the vision. And we, we need to defeat them uh, on, in France, we need to f defeat them in England, and we need to push them all the way back into Germany, right? That, that's what you, you've got to do, right? But then you realize, if that's all I'm thinking about, that's never going to happen, right? Because you've got to figure out, okay, well, that's a great, that's a great vision. Everyone agrees with that. Well, how are you going to do it, right? How are you going to make that happen? And then you start realizing how in-depth that gets. You know, it means, okay, we have to reorganize our military forces. We have to uh, increase production of weaponry. We have to start training soldiers. You see how difficult and complicated it gets. But what's interesting is we love the vision part of it. Right? Back then, of course, obviously, I wasn't alive back then. And, uh, but, you know, they, you would go to a movie, right? And before the movie, they would have basically recruitment videos saying, hey, we, we need you, right? And what were they selling? Were they selling, you know what, we need to make more bullets or we need you to come and get up at four in the morning and start training and stuff? No, they were selling the vision. We've got to defeat Nazi Germany, right? And everyone gets excited about that. Right? And then you get into it and you realize, oh, wait, there's a lot that I've got to do that I wasn't expecting to have to do in order for that to happen. Right? So we have to be really careful about how we sell our vision. Because people can get so excited about the vision of something, but then if you don't prepare people for what it's going to take to reach that vision, then you say, you know what, the vision's not even worth it. You know, I think sometimes we do that in the church. You know, I think sometimes 
we, we sell this really unbelievable vision. Hey, look at what we're going to do. You know, we're going to reach 20,000 people for Christ in the next 20 years or whatever, you know, whatever, whatever some of those visions are. And everyone, we get excited and stuff like that, and we burst through the doors out there, and then we look, which way do I need to go? I really just am kind of hungry, and I want to go eat, right? And it's like, how, does it, how do we actually move forward? You know, and, and so I want to look today uh, at two familiar passages in the book of Acts, both of which have been used by churches for vision and mission and things like that. And, uh, and I just want to see maybe how does that apply uh, to today. So this is in verse, uh, um, in ch- starting in chapter 1, um, page 759, I believe, in the, the Bibles in the chairs. Uh, those Bibles, those are for you. If you need a Bible or know someone who needs a Bible, feel free to take, take one. But I'm going to start. Uh, this uh, Acts is actually the continuation of the uh, Gospel of Luke. So the same uh, Luke wrote Luke, and then he wrote Acts. And so really it's all just kind of one book. We break it up into Jesus' life, and then after his resurrection is where Acts picks up. And, uh, and so uh, I want to start off in Acts chapter 1, uh, starting in verse 3. It says, After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or dates the father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. All right. Acts 1.8. Acts 1.8 has become a, a favorite of a lot of churches, right? As it should. <laughs> like, you know, it, you know, looking here, these are literally the last words Jesus spoke uh, before he, he went to heaven, right? So that, that's a powerful message here. And I love the scene here. You have the disciples, uh, you know, they, I mean, talk about a rough couple months for the disciples. Right? They, they come into Jerusalem, uh, everybody's excited, and there's all kinds of celebration going on. Uh, and then all of a sudden, Jesus gets arrested, and, and, uh, and they don't know what's going to happen. And then within uh, a few hours, he's hanging on a cross, right? And, and so they're, they're scared to death. Uh, then Jesus dies, so for the next three days, they're just wondering, are we next? What's going to happen? And then Jesus rises again, and while that's a good thing, that still is stressful, right? Good can still be stressful, right? Your, your emotions can still be going everywhere. So now all of a sudden Jesus is alive, but he's not really the same because all of a sudden he's here, and then he just randomly leaves, and, and, uh, and now what do we do? And, and so they spend 40 days talking to Jesus, and now all of a sudden... Jesus is basically saying, all right, now I'm really, I'm really leaving, right? I'm not going to physically be here anymore. And the disciples still aren't completely sure what's going on, as we wouldn't be sure, right? And so I, I, I just always love to kind of get a mental picture and put yourself in that. So can you imagine you're sitting out and you're talking, you know, you, you're having a picnic lunch, 
uh, with Jesus and everything's going, going well. And uh, Peter tells this joke again for the 1500th time, you know, and, and everybody just courtesy laughs and, and, and everything's going on. And then Jesus kind of gets up and it's, you're like, oh, he, all right, he's fixing to start talking. And he says, all right, guys, I'm leaving. And then all of a sudden, it may, are, does he already start levitating? Like, oh, we don't know, right? We have no idea. But he starts levitating. People are like, oh, my gosh, wait. And, uh, and, and they're like, no, one more thing, please tell us. And he says, all right, I need you to be my witnesses because I'm not really leaving you. The Spirit's going to be here. And I need you to go into Jerusalem, to Samaria, to Judea, and to the ends of the earth. See ya. And he's gone. I love if you keep reading there, you read, and it says uh, that, the, the, that the disciples were just sitting there looking up in the, in the sky, and the angel came and said, hey, didn't you hear what he said? Go back to Jerusalem, chill out, it's all going to be okay. And they do, and as you continue to read in Acts, you, uh, you see that uh, the, we have Pentecost where the Holy Spirit comes, and, and the disciples speak in tongues, and, and we all, a lot of times we think about, oh, well, they were speaking in weird languages. No, they were just speaking. People were hearing them in their own language. So, so like they, the, 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 the Pentecost happened, and the disciples go out because they realize, okay, now this is, this is what we're supposed to be doing, and, and people of all nationalities were in, in uh, Jerusalem. And so imagine going into Jerusalem right now. There's numerous languages being spoken, right? And we wouldn't know many of them. But imagine going and someone coming out, and I'm understanding what they're saying, and the guy next to me who only speaks Spanish is understanding what they're saying, all from the same person, right? So it's a, it's a cool miracle. It really is. It's a really neat one. And, uh, and so all the people are hearing, and so the movement of God officially begins. And it starts to spread. So the vision has been cast. Right? You are to take my message, you are to take the gospel message to Jerusalem, then to Samaria, to Judea, or to Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Right? So it's this progression. We see it all the time. Churches say, okay, we've got our local missions. Then we've got our state missions, and we've got our nation missions, and then we've got our worldwide missions, right? It's a, it, it, it really fits well, right? It's a good vision, right? One of the challenging things, if that's, if that's all that we kind of go on, is we realize that when Jesus gave this vision back then, guess what? Most of the world had not heard of this at all. Like literally... The town, the city of Jerusalem, only a few people even knew that this had happened, right? It was spreading something completely different that had never been, been, been talked about before, right? That's a little different. We have to be honest. That's a little different than today. We live in a different culture. We live in a culture that does know the basics of the gospel message, Right? They know, okay, yeah, there's this guy named Jesus. Yeah, he's supposed to be the son of God. Um, yeah, he died and he rose again and yada, yada, yada. That's how a lot of people would see it. But, but see, they, they, they hear the basic message, right? They know that, right? And so sometimes I think if we focus kind of our vision on this and we say, okay, 
here's, a, you know, here's what we're going to do. We're going to take the, the message of Christ to the world. And we get excited. And then we go out and we're like, everyone I know can answer all the questions that whenever I ask them. <laughs> right? And then we're like, you know, and, and how am I supposed to go to Africa? Right? Or, or how am I supposed to, you know, I've got a job. How am I supposed to go, you know, to, to the next state and share the gospel? Right? It's, it's, it's different. We start those realities and, and we're like, okay, wait, yeah, we know this needs to be done. But man, look, how are we going to actually do that? Right? And the good thing is, is in, in some ways it's good that the message is out there. Right? It's great that we have uh, over a billion Christians in the world today. The basic Christian message is out there. It's also a very negative thing because people think they know it, but they're not truly living it. And so how do we move forward to make sure that vision continues uh, that, that Jesus gave his disciples and that we need to still hold on to? How do we make that happen? Well, in Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 42. So what has happened here? is uh, we've had the uh, Pentecost and the miracle there. So now the disciples have, have gone out into Jerusalem. At this time, they've only gone to Jerusalem. They haven't, haven't gone out, right? And, uh, and Peter does a wonderful uh, sermon uh, sharing the, the gospel and who, who Jesus is. And it says 3,000 came to, to believe that day. Uh, and then we get, and that brings us to Acts 2, 42. And this is really important because they basically were in this position of Acts 2.42 for the next few years, right? See, a lot of times we think that, that Jesus came down and he said, all right, you need to go to the ends of the earth. And they said, all right, here we go. I'll go to India. You go to Rome. You go to here. That's not what happened. Eventually it did, but it started off differently. And so they started off like this in Acts chapter 2, verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. That's what they started doing for the next few years. And you know, whenever I think about it, there's, there's a lot of cultural differences. You always have to take those into account. You know, I mean, people get all antsy whenever it says they took their uh, possessions and they sold them and stuff like that. Listen, there's a lot of cultural things going. This isn't making any kind of political or government type statement. But what they were doing is they were becoming a community that looked out for each other. They didn't quit their jobs, right? They didn't, they were still going about life, but they were doing it together. And all of a sudden, things started to happen. And it talks about how God started adding to their numbers daily. And what that eventually led to is that people started coming that had a passion 
to go to Rome, that had a passion to go to India, that had a passion to go to Jericho, had a passion to go down to Bethlehem, right? And so all of a sudden, that vision is getting met because they're just starting and keeping things really simple. But, they're, but they have a big picture in mind. But you know what? They're, they don't know exactly how they're going to get there. So they're just going to be faithful. And I, and I love the few things that it says. It says some specific things. It says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Well, why did they do that? Because who had Jesus invested three years of his time teaching? The apostles, right? With the purpose that they would be the first ones to start sharing that message with the church, right? So they devoted themselves to learning, specifically learning about Jesus and about what Jesus taught. And so they started spending time doing that. They started spending time uh, learning about who Jesus was, about what Jesus had shared, about what Jesus had taught and shared with the disciples, right? And then to fellowship. Fellowship, that word is actually a pretty unique word that's, that's, uh, that's only used a few times in Scripture. And uh, it's called koinonia is the, the Greek word. And, you know, fellowship, a lot of times we think of uh, fellowship, or I know I think of a, a potluck, right? I think of fried chicken is what I think of whenever I think of fellowship, right? And because uh, someone's going to bring that. And, 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 and we just think of kind of getting together and having fun. That's an aspect of fellowship. But this type of fellowship is a little bit different. It's kind of, it's fellowship with a purpose. There's something a little bit more powerful in it. I would even say that what we're doing here today in coming together in common corporate worship is this type of fellowship, right? It doesn't mean that we're going around talking to everyone, and as far as I know, no one brought fried chicken. If you did, <laughs> gold star to you. But, uh, <laughs> but, but, we, but we're coming together for a purpose, right? We are fellowshipping together. But it's something, it's fellowshipping around Christ. It's focused around Christ. And sometimes there's no, there, there's no real goal to it. It's just getting together. But a lot of times it's actually spending time getting closer to God together. Right? This corporate aspect of that. So they spent time doing that. Then it talks about they spent time breaking bread. Right? And, and we, you know, people will debate what, what this means. And I think it's kind of both. You know, is it, is it just talking about having the Lord's Supper together? Um, we, we have the Lord's Supper every week, right? That was not something that I did before um, planting this church, but that was one the Nexus, the church organization, that was one of the things they encouraged us to do. They were not dogmatic at all, but that, that was one of the things they encouraged us to do because when they read this scripture and things like it, they said, hey, when people are gathering together, they're, they're celebrating the Lord's Supper. I, I think you can definitely make a case for that. I don't think it means that churches that don't have it every week are being unscriptural. I don't, I don't think at all. I mean, I, I, in, in any way. But, but there's something about breaking the bread together, remembering what Christ has done. You know, it's so easy for us to say, well, you, sh you know, of course we remember that. But, man, just think about how life works. 
We get into these routines, like right, we're already into the second week of 2018, and it kind of just feels like every other week. Right? We just kind of go through the motions, and it just starts happening. And if we're not careful, we can even take the Lord's Supper for granted. Right? And because we're human, when we do it here every week, we can even start taking that for granted. Right? So, so we, we recognize, but there's an importance to it, because we need to be reminded all the time of what Christ has done for us. But when it says breaking of bread, and it also mentions it later down in this passage, I think it's also talking about that they ate together. There's something, there's something pretty special that happens when you eat together. There's kind of a, a family connection that happens, right? So when you go and eat uh, lunch with someone or you eat dinner with someone, there's something, there's something that happens there. And so I think that's one of the reasons this is in there. They were doing that. Because that leads to that true fellowship, right? And, uh, and, and I think that's, that's very important. And that's one thing, uh, what we're going to do next week and the week after, we're going to kind of have some practical things that we're going to encourage you to do as part of journey. And one of those is going to be eating together. Now here's the thing, is that is, we're in a culture that make that really difficult to do. Right? And we acknowledge that. Our schedules, every, all your schedules are, are crazy. Like if we tried to sit here and like match people up and say, all right, we're going to get everyone to, the, you know, to, to be able to go eat with someone this week. And I said, all right, everyone, give me your schedules for this week. We'd be here until next week just getting the schedules written down. Right? So it, it is hard. Also, it can be very expensive. Right? You know, especially for us crazy people who still have kids at home. You know, and, and, and so it's, it can be difficult. But that doesn't mean that there's not something really powerful that can happen. And if we start looking at things and being more intentional about it, maybe we can do that. So the basics of what we're going to be doing is we're going to be encouraging you to once a month go eat with someone from Journey. And we're also going to be encouraging you once a month to go eat with someone who... You don't know whether they have a church home or not. Uh, preferably, especially if you know that they're not, uh, that they don't know Christ. How awesome would that be? But once a month, right? And and uh, and some of you go, oh well, that's not that's anybody can do that. Oh no, all of a sudden it's the end of the month really quickly, right? <laughs> so, but but there, there's an aspect of importance here, right? You know, that's why Luke wrote this. This is why he's saying this is what they're doing. Right? So they were uh, de devoting themselves to the apostles' teachings, specifically about Christ, about how Christ impacted their life. They were fellowshipping, so they were spending time with each other in corporate worship uh, and things like that. They were breaking bread together, which meant not only celebrating the Lord's Supper, but, I'm, but also they spent time eating together, uh, becoming kind of family and then it says, and to prayer. And it's really interesting. It just it says, and to prayer. One word. But man, what a powerful word. And we're going to be talking about some things that we want to be, be doing. But, but prayer is one of those things that most of us, when we think of prayer, I think, we think of, oh, that's what I do right before I eat. You know, or maybe right before I go to bed, usually we think of something very formal, right? That's one thing, uh, being a, a pastor and trying to be involved in the community 
is like, I am the designated prayer at any event. <laughs> it's like, you know, you, you know, whether it's city council meeting or, or whatever. Oh, hey, will you, will you pray for us? Yeah. It's like, and, and what a horrible, like, because there's times that I don't want to pray. I'll be honest. I'm like, you know, you really don't want me to pray what's on my heart right now. <laughs> but, but what a horrible position. Someone asks you, oh, would you like to pray for us? No. Yeah, I mean, can that even happen? Like, like that actually may make the news. You know, uh, pastor refuses to pray at city council meeting. Oh, my God. But, uh, but sometimes we think of prayer like that. And so a lot of us realize, you know, I'm not good at that kind of prayer. Right? I don't want to pray out loud like that. And so we get really uncomfortable with prayer. Well, really, prayer... If you break it down, and especially whenever you look at whenever Paul talks about that we should, uh, we should be living uh, each day in continuous, constant prayer, he is clearly not saying that we should be going around talking out loud to God all the time. Right? Prayer is really just an acknowledgement of God's presence with you each and every day. Sometimes it's you kind of speaking to God, saying, man, God, here's where I am. Sometimes it's you listening to God, just being in his presence. But the essence of prayer is just being aware of God's presence each and every day. And then it's going to look different at different times. One thing that we want to start encouraging you to do is being aware of God's presence in your life. Every hour of every day. Right? See, and I think, I think if we can kind of focus on some of these basic things, maybe that's how the vision gets accomplished. See, that's what kind of started happening here. Jesus had laid out, man, we need to take this message to the ends of the earth. And the disciples were like, all right, we're just going to go sit in a room and hope something happens. Right? That, was their, <laughs> that was their first response. And guess what? Something did happen. And then they started spending time together, and they started seeking what God wanted, and things started happening. All of a sudden, you have this random guy who has been trying to persecute uh, Christians. All of a sudden, something happens to him, and he comes to you, and he says, man, I have a passion to go to Rome with the, with the, with the gospel. And all of a sudden we have the New Testament because Paul goes to the New Testament. Guess what? That was 15 years or so after this. Right? See, we get caught in this culture that we love the big, uh, the big thing. We love the vision. And we say, all right, let's go out and let's go do it. And then it's like if next week there's not 20 extra people in the seats from what we've done, we're like, oh, man, it doesn't work. 15 years. But guess what? The message got to the ends of the earth. Right? They started being faithful to God. They started acknowledging that God is with them each and every day. And all of a sudden, then they started feeling, you know what? I feel like I need to go here. Most of them felt like, you know where their main place of ministry was? Still Jerusalem. Most of them didn't go anywhere. Right? That doesn't mean they weren't achieving the vision. Doesn't mean they weren't doing something for Christ. Right? 
So what we want to do is we want to be a church that draws people into Christ, to help each one of us to live life in Christ so that we can impact his kingdom. I have no idea how we're going to impact his kingdom because I don't know what God's doing in each of your life. But that's how it's going to happen. It's going to happen through you. Some of you are going to be passionate towards international ministries. Some of you are going to be passionate uh, towards feeding the homeless. Some of you are going to be passionate. And, and that's what you're going to do. You're going to take that message. And our job here at Journey, the way that we are doing it, is we are going to be very simple. And we're going to focus on learning about Jesus, about fellowshipping and worshiping together, about breaking bread together, about praying together. And then we're going to allow God to work. That, that last, last uh, verse here says, They ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God, enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. I bet you many times they showed up to, to eat together the next day and were like, Now why are you here? What, where did you come from? It was like, God's just working. God's just working. And you know, as, from my perspective here, <laughs> just a, a little bit of an encouragement to you. We got to Elgin a little over four and a half years ago, not knowing one person, not having a place to meet, not even meeting. That was four and a half years ago, and look around you today. We didn't know one of you. I still don't know why you're here. <laughs> but it's because God is doing something, right? And it's slow and it's deliberate. And you know what? It's here for the long haul. And we're here for the long haul until God says, all right, it's time to do something different. Right? He's, which hopefully will be that he comes back and says, all right, you can quit. Come with me. <laughs> right? Man. I don't really care if we have a great vision statement or a great mission statement. What I care about is are we getting to know Christ? Is he impacting our lives daily? And then when we start allowing him to do that, then he's going to start using us to impact this kingdom. And that's what we look forward to. I can't wait to see what God's going to do in 2018. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear God, I thank you. I thank you for just the opportunity that we have uh, to be in your presence, uh, the opportunity that we have to serve you. Lord, I just pray uh, that you will help us to remember that you are with us each and every day. Draw us close to you so that we can better be prepared to impact your kingdom. Lord, we love you. We love the vision that you have for the world. Lord, help us to participate in that vision by loving you each and every day and living our lives for you. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. Thank you for listening to Journey Elgin. Come visit us at 1221 North Avenue C, Elgin, Texas, 78621. You can contact us at www.journeyelgin.org or call us at 512-661-8411. That's 
661-8411. We hope to see you soon and may God bless you.